last time we were here, I believe we stopped in Luke chapter 12, verse 4, and Christ was speaking to a great multitude that had gathered. It wasn't necessarily the, the scribes or the Pharisees or the religious leaders. It was more just a multitude of common people, and this is who he is speaking to. Verse 4, And I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after have no more power that they can do. But I will forewarn you whom you shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. And this will be uh, God Almighty himself uh, who can kill not just the body but the soul as well. He is the only one that can kill an immortal soul. Um, but that is not yet. That is only after the judgment. There's no per se hell at this point and we'll study what hell is uh, when the time comes. This word hell here is uh, Gehenna. It is a garbage pit outside of Jerusalem that burned continually in, in the days of Christ where they threw all the garbage and they, they set it afire. And that is what he calls hell here as a, a metaphor for where the refuse is thrown. Verse 6. Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings and not one of them is forgotten before God? But even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Also, I say unto you, whosoever shall confess me, or actually let me stop there, the Lord God knows all things that happen on this earth. He knows all of our thoughts. He knows even the number of the hairs upon our heads. If uh, two five sparrows were sold in the market for two farthings, this is a small amount of number, a simple transaction. You could think of it as probably buying bubble gum from the store. And the Lord God can, in his infinite wisdom, keep track of all these calculations. He knows all things that are going on in this world. No thing is hidden from him. Continuing on in verse 8. Also I say unto you, Whosoever shall confess me before men... Him shall the Son of Man confess before the angels of God. But he that denieth me before men shall be denied before the angels of God. Now here is a promise from Christ that whenever we die and we are before God, that if we have lived our life and we have confessed him before men, this is one of the uh, requirements of salvation, that we believe that he was risen from the grave, he was the Son of God, and also that we confess him before men then he also will confess us before God. But if we deny him before men, then it is possible he will deny us before God. This kind of link to, or it brings to mind Second Peter chapter 4. And this would be the Apostle Peter, the great Apostle, whom Jesus... Second Peter chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 1. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you in both uh, which I stir you up in your pure minds by way of remembrance. So some people say that 
Peter didn't write both epistles or he didn't write either epistle here. It is claiming that this is the second epistle. Epistle is a letter. That you be mindful of the words which were spoken by the holy prophets and by the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Now remember the, the prophets had come before the last prophet before John the Baptist at the time of Christ had been around 400 years prior. So they were many years with many hundreds of years with no prophets in Israel. And then come the come Christ and come the apostles. And here Peter links them all together. So these are the things that were spoken of thousands of years before that time. And then he gave it to us as well. Knowing first that there shall come in the last days. Now we're talking about the last time. Though no man knows it, we do know the season by the things that, that happen. All things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Of this, they for this they are willingly ignorant of, but by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. So here Peter says that in the last days that scoffers shall arise. If we look back in this country, if we say the 50s up into even the, the late 80s and early 90s, most people were Christian and you would not hear people talk of, of the word of, against the word of God other than in hushed tones. But now it is totally flipped and if you were online, it is nothing but hostility towards the good word of Christ continually day and night so at this time scoffers have rose up and it goes back to what Christ said about those that confess him before men he will confess before the father because we will all stand before him one day and those who deny him before men the same shall he deny before the Lord and that will be a terrible place to be as your life has ended and you stand in judgment and you stand before the creator of the whole universe and Christ is there and he tells that he never knew you because you have denied him. Peter going on here and uh, telling us not to be ignorant that there was a world, a time before this one. And the world that was then being overflowed with water perished. Now this word perished is a, is a total end. Uh, there was an age before <laughs> this one. This one and one yet to come. This is not talking of the flood of Noah where there were survivors. There was no survivors per se in the flesh whenever the world that was perished. But the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store and reserved <laughs> unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. So the perishing of ungodly men is when this world is reserved for judgment. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day with the Lord is as a thousand years and as a thousand years as one day. Now we can take this as literal, that one day with the Lord is like 1,000 years. Or we can take it as a metaphor that <laughs> Time is not the same to the Lord or any immortal being, any immortal soul. We only recognize time now because we have a finite amount of it. We know that the hourglass is ticking away on our lives as we sit here and speak. 
but if we did not have this, our concept of time would be much different. It would have little meaning to us if we were not looking forward to our death or a reckoning of whenever something happened or another. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness. Remember, the scoffers say, where is the return of the Christ? He is not here. Um, the th things have been going on since they have since the beginning of the world. But as we studied before, we know that if we study history, that the past hundred years have been different than any in existence since humanity was birthed on the earth. So we just happened to be born in the middle of it, and we didn't see the time before refrigeration or electricity or uh, uh, petroleum. Those things are all very new, although they happened before us. We did not see what a miracle they are, modern communication, all that. So we could not fully appreciate it. But things are not as they have always been at this time. But the Lord is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The Lord God does not want to destroy his children. He wishes that all would come to repentance, though uh, those that are tempted by Satan and have no control, they will ultimately perish, unfortunately. But the Lord will give as many chances as is prudent. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements, these elements are the rudiments of creation. Uh, some translations also translate them as astral or immortal beings, like some of the angels that fought against God in the, uh, the rebellion of Satan. You know, many translations translate it as such, the word elements shall melt with the fever and heat and the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up seeing that all these things shall be dissolved what manner of persons ought we to be in all holy conversation and goodliness looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God when the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with the fever and heat now remember the elements are the astral beings or um, the rudiments of this world that defy God. And we look back into verse 7 here. It is the perdition of ungodly men and not not the, the servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we'll turn back to Luke chapter 12. So we know that in the last days by the apostle Peter that the scoffers shall come and they shall deny the Christ. Now, going into verse 10, a complex subject that troubles many people, but it can't be, it is not troubling once we understand it. And whosoever shall speak a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But unto him that blasphemeth against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven. So this is the unforgivable sin. All sins can be forgiven in this life except for this one. So what does this mean? To blaspheme is to deny, to like deny God, but it doesn't say that if you blaspheme against God that that's the unforgivable sin. The Son of Man is Jesus. It says if you blaspheme against him, you uh, you will be forgiven, but it's the Holy Spirit 
that you shall not be forgiven. So this thought uh, carries on. And when they shall bring you unto the synagogues and unto the magistrates and the powers, take you no thought of what thing you shall answer or what you shall say. For the Holy Spirit shall teach you in the same hour what you ought to say. So at this time, uh, now we are not being delivered up for the, the rulers of this world um, to give a testimony for Christ. So the Holy Spirit is not attempting to speak through us and we're not denying it that ability which would be the unforgivable sin. So the unforgivable sin cannot be committed yet and it can only be committed by one of God's elect. Only by one of the people who are delivered up because they know that they know that he is God and he'll be you'll be delivered before a false Christ. So remember those words that we just listened to and we'll turn to Luke chapter 21 to, to drive this point home. 21 is um, similar to Mark 13 and Matthew 24, though it is not the same teaching of Christ. Uh, this concerns the end of the world. Verse 10, this is Christ speaking. They ask him, how is it going to be at the end of the world and at your coming, Lord, when you take your kingdom? Because at this time, they did not fully understand that he was going to be crucified and raised from the dead. They thought that he was going to be a conquering king. And he's like, when is your kingdom going to come into being? Verse 10, and then he said unto them, nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom and great earthquakes shall be in diverse places and famines and pestilences. Pestilences are plagues or sicknesses, as we have seen recently. And fearful sights and great signs shall they be from heaven. But before these things, they shall lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and to the prisons to be brought before the kings and rulers for my name's sake. Why are we brought before the kings and the rulers? For my name's sake. Everybody will have the opportunity to deny Christ, and most will. It will be a very select few, the ones that will not worship uh, the false Christ, that are delivered up. And they'll be put on TV or whatever medium there is to transmit information. And it shall turn to you for a testimony. That will be the whole purpose of the Christians being here so that they can witness for God. Remember, it was the martyrs that really spread Christianity in the early days. It shall turn to you for a testimony. Settle it therefore in your hearts, not to meditate before what you shall answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist. So, we'll be delivered up and we're both places where it spoke about the unforgivable sin, denying the Holy Spirit and tells us we'll be delivered up and it'll give us a mouth to speak. And here, very, very, very similar, same word for word actually. And it says that he'll give us a mouth of wisdom through the Holy Spirit that our adversaries will not be able to gainsay nor resist. We'll be able to convince even the skeptics and at this time it will be very near when Christ returns. Let's see what the power of the Holy Spirit is. 
that is speaking of, though it will be, uh, we do not know what it will tell us to say, we do have some indication in the Bible of how the Spirit will present itself in one manifestation. This uh, Acts chapter 2, this is after Christ has ascended to heaven from the Mount of Olives. And his, he, told, he instructed his apostles to wait in Jerusalem until he sent the helper or his comforter to them, which is the Holy Spirit. Chapter 2 verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Though Pentecost means 50. It's the 50th day since Christ ascended to heaven. All his apostles were gathered together in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as the rushing of a mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues as of fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now let's get some clarification on what these tongues are. Do they need an interpreter? Is it some gibberish? Are they throwing themselves over the pews? Or is it something else? And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. And now... When this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because every man heard them speak in his own language. So when these people that were uh, taken with the Holy Spirit were speaking, the people that were gathered from all the nations around about understood them. These people did not all speak the same language nor have the same dialect of common language um, as you know we all have accents and sometimes even it's hard to understand other english speakers because of their accents but these people as we'll see spoke many different languages verse seven and they were all amazed and marveled saying to one another behold are not all these which speak galileans this is people from the region of the lake of galilee they spoke with an accent that was different from the people that were even in Jerusalem. If we remember when Peter followed Christ after he was taken and he denied him three times, one of the times he denied him, one of the maids said, this man, he speaks with the <laughs> accent of a Galilean and he's one of Jesus' followers and, and Peter denied that it was him. But they had a different accent. But these people are saying, aren't all these men Galileans? That, uh, but we hear them in our same language. Verse 8. And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? Parthians and Medes, these were people to the east. The Medes come from where modern day Iran is today. The Elamites, these come from the east as well. The dwellers in Mesopotamia from the east. And Judea, the place where they were at. And Cappadocia, this would be in uh, what is modern-day Turkey. So this would be to the northwest, uh, many hundred miles. And Pontus in Asia, Persia, and Pamphylia in Egypt. 
So this would be to the south and the west. And parts of Libya, about Serene, this is also in Libya. And strangers of Rome, and so from Rome, we're thousands of miles from Rome, they would speak Latin. Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians, do we hear them speak in our tongue of the wonderful works of God? In our tongue means even of the dialect of the county when you which you were born. So we would hear the people speak with our accent and people from another region of our country would hear them speak even in their own accent uh, so that they are perfectly understood. This is not an unknown tongue or gibberish. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, this would be possible. Today at the UN, all the dignitaries have the headsets and the technology translates for them. These people will have no need of translation. They will have a miraculous tongue, which can be understood by everyone. And also they will be given a message straight from the heart of Christ that the adversaries cannot gainsay or resist. And all this will be on TV broadcast to the whole world. So we'll go back and continue on in Luke chapter 12. To deny the Holy Spirit to come upon you would be the unforgivable sin, but it cannot be forgiven or cannot be committed at this time. Many people have trouble with this and they think that they, just because they were mad with God at some point in the past, that they said something unforgivable. That is not the case. It is a, at a specific time that this is able to be committed and it is not yet we'll continue on in verse 13 and one of the company said unto him master speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me and he said unto him man who made me a judge or a divider over you and he said unto them take heed and beware of covetousness for a man's life consisteth not of the abundance of the things which he possesseth. So this man came to Jesus and wanted him to mediate between him and his brother. They were having a, a dispute over inheritance, which is common even to this day. They say many times people working at the hospital that when uh, the person's dying, that the people will get in, the, the family members will get in a fight right there over who's going to get what, and a big brawl breaks out. I know people that work security at the hospital, and they say that happens a lot. <laughs> so, it says, beware of covetousness. Let's turn to Exodus chapter 20. This is when the Lord gives the Ten Commandments to Moses. Now, there's many laws in the Bible, but these ten kind of summarize them all. People remember a lot of them, but sometimes they forget the tenth one, and it is probably one of the more important ones. They're all important, but the tenth one is very, very important, especially in our day and time, and it is one that we forget. 
Exodus chapter 20, verse 17. Thou shalt not covet. Covet means to want or to lust after or to like keeping up with the Joneses. We see somebody with a nice car, nice wife or husband or whatever, and we want it to be ours. Verse 17. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not cover thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. So that is one of the Ten Commandments. If we were to remember it today, it would make our lives a lot easier. Uh, we see with social media, everybody's on there and they're going on a vacation and they bought a new car or a new truck and we're like, man, why can't our lives be as good as theirs? Most of this is falsehoods. We want to impress other people. Uh, we don't know that they just took out a mortgage on their house that they may not be able to pay back to go on this vacation or that they'll be paying twice what the truck's worth because they got bad credit or any of these things. So we should not covet what is other people's. We should be content with what the Lord gives us of our own. I'll continue on here and see the power of God as he gave the Ten Commandments. So, as he finished giving the Ten Commandments, and all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain shaking so the, uh, the power of God has descended upon the mountain and Moses is up there receiving the stone tablets and the mountains covered with fire and lightning and smoke and thunder. And the mountain smoking, and the people saw it, and they were moved and stood afar off. And so they were terrified of this sight, and they moved away from the mountain. And they said unto Moses, Speak thou with us, and we will hear. But let not God speak with us, lest we die. And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for God has come to prove you that his fear may be before your faces, that you sin not. So this is recorded for us, and... We go back to even remembering how at judgment we'll stand before Almighty God and Jesus will give an account of us that whether or not we knew him or whether we denied him or not. And this would be the, uh, the full force of God's power. And these people just saw a fraction of it and they were terrified and they moved away from the mountain and they asked Moses to talk to God for them because they were afraid as he gave his commandments. Continuing on, the Lord said unto Moses, Thus thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, Ye have I seen, and I have talked with you from heaven. You shall not make with me gods of silver, neither shall you make gods of gold. An altar of earth shall thou make unto me, and shall sacrifice thereon thy burnt offerings, and thy peace offerings, and thy sheep, and thine oxen. In all places where I record my name, I will come unto thee, and I will bless thee. If thou wilt make an altar of stone, thou shalt not build it out of hewn stone. For if thou lift up a tool upon it, thou shalt pollute it. Neither shalt thou go up by steps unto mine altar, that thy nakedness be not discovered thereon. So the Lord is different than all the, the pagan gods that were around. We have um, sources from 
ancient historians talking about how strange the Jews were that they didn't build elaborate temples and stuff like that to their God that they would only worship him and they wouldn't worship many gods and they talked about how strange they were. And this is a straight commandment from the Lord that if they build an altar for him, they build it of piled earth or unhewn stone. Like they could have cut the stone and made it very elaborate, but he asked for stone that no tool had touched. The Lord God is satisfied with his natural creation. This is different than almost all other pagan deities we probably could maybe say some of the wiccans and the earth maybe the druids may have this natural type thing but uh, i'm just speaking off the top of my head here i don't know for sure on the customs of others but we go back and we remember not to covet the things which are others back in chapter 12 verse 16 and he spake a parable unto them, saying, this is Jesus speaking, in relation to the man asking for his inheritance. The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all the fruits and my goods. And I will say unto my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thou, shalt, thou soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So it is he that layeth up treasure for himself, and is not rich towards God. So this rich man in the parable, he concentrated on his wealth and not the things that pertain to God and the, the time to come. Uh, he said he was very rich and he thought about how was he going to store all the goods that he had. He was going to tear down his barns. He's going to build more barns to, to store all the excess that he had. But God said to him, Thou fool, this night thou life shall be required of thee. So the man died. And his treasure went on to other people who did not work for it and did not toil. And it became the properties of others as he left it here on this earth and he went to the Father. It goes back to what we read in Second Peter about the scoffers here on this earth and that how that this earth would pass away and the things of this world would be no more in the world to come we do not care of such things they they hold no meaning what is our wealth here it's able to provide comfort for our earthly body food riches pleasures those things do not matter in the time to come if we meditate on these things continually we forget that this is but for a short season and that we will stand before the Lord God in judgment and he will ask us what we have done with ourselves and how we've improved ourselves and how we have done his will on this earth. And we pray that uh, we are found worthy. And so every day we must meditate on this and work towards it. Some days we'll fall short and some days we'll forget, but we must always come back and work diligently.
and be not obsessed with the things of this world. Uh, so, we'll end there for now. Uh, anybody got any questions, comments, concerns? All right, we'll end the prayer.